The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. To paraphrase Herman Melville and Moby Dick, it is a damp, drizzly November in our polls. Also, Dementia J. Trump made a fool of himself at his trial, and he did more Dementia things, including forgetting when he was president and when he wasn't. And oh, by the way, he confessed. Trump also has a plan to use the military to quell protests if he has another inauguration day in 2025. And Jack Smith has filed a warning that he will prove at trial that Trump not only set January 6th, quote, in motion, but that he has rewarded his thugs ever since, even the ones in the January 6th choir, which would be the choir Trump preaches to. But the true headline today is clearly this. Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, really thinks Trump is going to pay her. Then why exactly? Am I being paid as an attorney? And why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? You're not being paid. You're not going to be paid. Trump's going to stiff you on the bill. Trump stiffs everybody on the bill. And let's do their New York City fraud trial first, because after what he said on the stand yesterday, even if he gets hit by lightning today and turns into an actual human being and he decides to pay his bills, he might not have the money to do so because he confessed. And he just avoided contempt of court. And in yet another public venue, he has showed he is 100% out of his mind. Prosecutor Kevin Wallace gives Trump a copy of his company's financial statement. Mr. Trump, the court officer is handing you PX416 Deutsche Bank Term Loan Agreement 2012. Let's go to page six. Is that your signature? Trump answers yes. Page 105, the, the guarantee, did you sign it? Again, Trump answers yes. This says, the prosecutor Wallace quotes, in order to induce lending. You see that? And Trump answers yes. And the prosecutor says, little Roman I, it says, as of June 30, 2011, do you believe it was true and accurate? And Trump says, yeah, I do. That's a confession. The document was signed to, quote, induce lending. That's a confession to a motive for fraud. And Trump testified that it required him to sign the guarantee that the financial statement was true and the financial statement was not true. That's a confession to fraud. And the prosecutors only had to prove 
that there was fraud to the judge who already said, yeah, there's fraud. And the judge, Judge Engeron, whom Trump has now insulted in court rather than just outside of it, he will rule on the case after the last witness tomorrow. Ivanka Trump, who must have something Letitia James and Kevin Wallace think will sink daddy. Oops. And as the former federal prosecutor Joyce White noted, Trump's admission here, I signed this. I guaranteed it was true. I did it to get the loan. That is my signature next to in order to induce lending. That means that if Trump tries to appeal the eventual guilty verdict and the $250 million penalty and what else from Judge Engeron, because Engeron said before the trial actually started that the facts established there had been fraud by the Trump Corporation, the appeals court will say, uh, over here, this part of your testimony, Trump, this is you confessing. He's finished. Quarter of a billion dollars in penalties and barred from real estate in New York. So if you were thinking on bidding on Trump Tower, get your bid ready. But for God's sakes, remember, it's going to cost money to rename the place. I'm thinking Arthur Engeron Memorial Peace Plaza. And still, Alina Haba is actually lucky she and her client did not end the day at Rikers Island for contempt of court. Judge Engeron went all Oliver Cromwell on Trump. Cromwell it was who said, I beseech you in the bowels of Christ. Think it possible you may be mistaken. Well, Engeron left out Christ in the bowels, but he said to Trump's lawyers, I beseech you to control him if you can. If you can't, I will. I will excuse him and draw every negative inference that I can. But Haba, America's leading expert on parking lot law, yelled at Engeron. You are here to hear what he has to say. Engeron yelled at her to sit down and added, no, I am not here to hear what he has to say. I am here to hear him answer questions. The attorney spokesmodel was offended. I was told to sit down today. I was yelled at and I've had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear. I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here. What a moron. Okay, if Trump can refer to a Perry Mason moment during this trial, I can refer to a Perry Mason character. Hamilton Berger was the district attorney who, during the life of the TV series, prosecuted 225 of Perry Mason's clients, and 223 of them were found not guilty. Alina Haba is Trump's Hamilton Berger. And then there's the dementia J part. The attorney, Kevin Wallace, asks Trump if he prepared the 2021 Trump Organization corporate statement. And he says, I was so busy in the White House, focusing on Russia and China and keeping our country safe. And Wallace matter-of-factly says that the thing was filed in the summer. You weren't president then. And now it's on a court record that Trump either can't remember when he was president and for God's sake, I know we've only had 46 of them, but I bet the other 45 could remember when they were president and when they weren't. Or he'll just lie and say whatever he thinks best serves him, not only without regard to the truth, but without regard to whether or not it's an easily proved lie, which is pathological lying. That is a symptom of borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder or all of them. Or as Noel Coward put it so much more simply, the fact that Trump is obviously definitely nuts. I wasn't president in the summer of 2021. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Trump is obviously definitely nuts and getting worse. Trump is this close to saying what the new dictator of San Marcos, Esposito, in the movie Bananas, said when he came out after the revolution and announced, quote, all citizens will be required to change their underwear every half hour. Underwear will be worn on the outside so we can check. 
And in the same speech, in an update to a previous moment of Dementia J, he actually corrected his previous gaffe of saying that Viktor Orban was the strongman of Turkey, and he promptly said that Orban's real country, Hungary, shares a border with Russia. Yeah, the countries are 620 miles apart at their closest non-intersection. Underwear will be worn on the outside so we can check. The election is now a year from this past Sunday, and the major task for all of us, and I guess I have more of an opportunity to do this than you do, is to spend as much of the next year as possible emphasizing how old and how crazy Trump is. He will wind up in jail or he won't. You and I will not be on the juries. When you see stuff like Sunday's Washington Post piece, send it to everybody. Hell, send this podcast to anybody who's not subscribed. Well, yeah, I know. That's self-serving. That will make me some more money, probably 50 cents each. Uh, I'm, by the way, not doing this for the money. I'm doing this because I like most people and all dogs, and I'd like to see the planet continue past the year 2025. I ain't doing it for the money. Anyway, my name is Elma J. Fudd Millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. No, wait, that's Trump. You saw the Post piece on Sunday, did you not? I mean, the deeper into it you got, the more you'd find out about Trump's plan for a special prosecutor to attack anybody named Biden and his plan to deliberately politicize the Department of Justice and this Project 2025 thing and Trump's White House budget director Russ Vote going on the record to say that to politicize the DOJ, quote, you don't need a statutory change at all. You need a mindset change. You need an attorney general and a White House counsel's office that don't view themselves as trying to protect the department from the president which I think is even nastier sounding in the original Russian from when Stalin devised that. Deeper in that piece, you'll read about turning all White House strategy over to Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon and Roger Stone and Laura Loomer and Dinesh D'Souza and General Flynn. And of Trump's plans for the prosecutions of Mark Milley and John Kelly and Ty Cobb and Bill Barr and Prosecuting Miller and Kelly and Cobb would be indefensible, and prosecuting Barr would be... <sighs> okay, okay, that'd be wrong, too. Damn it. But you only really need the first paragraph of that piece by Isaac Arnsdorf, Devlin Barrett, Josh Dawsey, Washington Post, this past Sunday. You only need the first paragraph to make the point that Trump is convinced he made mistakes during his presidency and he will not repeat them. And the foremost of those mistakes was not to install a military dictatorship. Quote, Donald Trump and his allies have begun mapping out specific plans for using the federal government to punish critics and opponents should he win a second term with the former president naming individuals he wants to investigate or prosecute and his associates drafting plans to potentially invoke the Insurrection Act on his first day in office to allow him to deploy the military against civil demonstrations. You heard it. Insurrection Act on January 20th, 2025. And the creature at the center of that ploy is once again Jeffrey Clark. Indicted in Georgia, unindicted co-conspirator in Washington, would-be attorney general, the environmental lawyer who wants to turn the world over to the least pro-environment person on our dying planet. It was Clark who devised the last-minute January 2021 plot for the DOJ to seize all the voting machines. And when he was told that if Trump stayed in office after January 20th, there would be riots in every major city, he answered, well, that's why there's an insurrection act. This Post story notes he is now at the think tank of this guy, Russ Vogt, and, quote, is leading the work on the Insurrection Act under Project 2025. And just remember that by August 1934, Hitler reshaped the entire judiciary of Germany so that every judge and prosecutor had to swear an oath to him personally, and apparently the total number of resignations from the entirety of of the German judicial system was one guy, a prosecutor in Wuppertal, and his name was Martin Gauger, and he wound up fleeing to the Netherlands, and then the Nazis caught him, and they sent him to Buchenwald, and he was dead by 1941. One guy. 
And Trump already has a head start on Hitler. He had four years to seed the courts with his own people. And by the way, if you think Clarence Thomas or Alito are going to refuse the new swear to Trump oath, you are insane. Attorney General Alina Haba today announced the indictment today of Arthur Ungeron, a former judge in what is now the 6th Military District of New York. Oh yeah, that one guy's name, Russ Vogt. Vote. Too ironic to be believed. So it's probably fair to say that it's a question of who jails whom first, and as to the guy currently on the clock, you have already heard my raging against the two Obama appointees and the Biden one who stayed... Judge Chutkin's gag order and gave Trump until at least the 17th to try to get Jack Smith killed by Trump mobs. So I don't have to go through all that again, except for me to say that it is the job of the judiciary to protect the laws and safety and citizenry and continuity of the United States of America. And since the rest of our institutions have failed, they goddamn better realize that they must be as aggressive with Trump as he would be in trying to roll back freedoms during his Fourth Reich here. On the other hand, Jack Smith is clearly giving as good as he gets on Trump's other motions. Yesterday, Smith answered the bid to dismiss the entire election subversion prosecution on constitutional grounds. Trump's argument that was just another election challenge like the ones in 1800 and 1824 and 1876 and 1960 and 2000. Notably absent from any of these historical episodes, however, Smith writes dryly, is any attempt by any person to use fraud and deceit to obstruct. He adds, quote, The defendant stands alone in American history for his alleged crimes. No other president has engaged in conspiracy and obstruction to overturn valid election results and illegitimately retain power. Ah, he's got you there, Don. He also deftly deflected the Trump claim that if he can prove he really believed the election was rigged, that means he was just, you know patriotically presidenting. Even if the defendant could supply admissible evidence of his own personal belief that the election was, quote, rigged or, quote, stolen, it would not license him to deploy fraud and deceit to remedy what he perceived to be a wrong, and it would not provide a defense to the charge. Smith also filed on a Trump complaint of vindictive prosecution. That would be Trump's case that Biden is behind this, and it's being done only to impact the election. I wish... There are times when the resemblance between the special counsel and the actor who used to play Captain Obvious in the Hotels.com commercials is more than just physical. And in a third filing, Captain Special Counsel replied to a complaint by the Trump ambulance chasers that I had not heard about until this filing back yesterday. Dementia J's lawyers, hereafter identified as the unpaid, apparently wanted to strike what they called inflammatory allegations relating to Trump's attempted coup. Apparently, Jack Smith not only is not having that, but he has warned Trump's lawyers that he will not only prove that Trump started the insurrection, but that he continues to this day to reward his thugs and his mobs. Smith notes the references to pardoning them and to Trump's refusal to criticize or condemn them, and then the fatal thrust. Quote, the government will also produce evidence of the defendant's public support for and association with the January 6th Choir, a group of particularly violent January 6th defendants. Excellent. See if you can get them sentenced to more time for their crap off-key song, too. I mean, somebody should go to jail for their crap off-key song. <laughs> Which brings us back to the polls. The New York Times polling released Sunday that indicates Biden is behind in five of the six critical swing states by four in Pennsylvania, five in Arizona and Michigan, six in Georgia, 10 in Nevada. That he's hemorrhaging minority voters, especially Hispanics and blacks and Muslims, and in the wake of the Gaza War, Arab Americans. Would I like to see the numbers the other way? Yeah. Is it time to send President Biden to go live on a farm upstate, which was pretty much the suggestion of David Axelrod Sunday after he saw these polls? No. I think you're seeing that David Axelrod really, really, really overachieved in 2008. But here are a few points to consider. A. Who's Biden's replacement? Going with Newsom, are you? 
You want the vice president? You're going to talk Michelle Obama into running. Who's the better option? B, the Times poll has an unidentified generic other Democrat beating Trump by eight points. Well, let's get anybody. There has yet to be a single poll at this stage of any presidency in which that generic other candidate from the other party did not beat the incumbent handily because he or she does not exist. Generic other does not have any baggage and generic other exists in the voter's mind in whatever shape the voter wants. C. In July 2011, Barack Obama was in a statistical tie with a generic Republican. Four months earlier, he had been ahead by 11 points. In July 2011, polling showed that the most visible Republican candidate for president was Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman. The lists of presidents who were reelected in cakewalks who a year out were being badly beaten in the polls, starts with Ronald Reagan and carries through Clinton and Obama. D, that's because even at this seemingly late date, all presidential polls are not who you're going to vote for, A or B. They are, as Congressman Brendan Boyle aptly noted yesterday, they are referenda on the incumbent. Those poll numbers Sunday are about Joe Biden and Joe Biden alone, And people think he caused inflation and they think he's too old. And as I noted last week, 43 percent think they are both too old. And yet Biden still wins that cohort in a 61 to 15 landslide. So if you can get another 5 percent to believe that Trump is just as old and unreliable as Biden, Biden will win by 100 electoral votes. E, you don't believe that's still true? Buried in the Times poll was the mirror scenario. Biden in this question is the Democratic nominee and not Trump, but some generic other Republican opposes him. The result? The Republicans win by 16 points. And F. Want to get back some of that hemorrhaging minority vote? Well, we haven't seen the Democratic presidential ads yet. The one in which Trump trashes Black Lives Matters and wants to deploy troops against George Floyd protesters. The other one, in which Trump starts his political life by calling Mexicans rapists and drug dealers. The other, other one, in which Trump explains his Muslim ban. Or has his Secretary of the Interior, now Congressman Ryan Zinke, introducing a bill banning Palestinians from entering this country, which he filed, checks notes, yesterday. Or the other, other, other one in which Carrie Lake says on Newsmax last night that ISIS was created and terrorism was started because the United States sent financial support to Israel. How did Biden win re-election under all these circumstances? Well, he got 100% of the minority vote. Should the possibility of a different Democratic nominee next year be raised? Absolutely. Always. 24-7. Show me something conclusive that another Democrat would trounce Trump. Give me a name. Give me who you would rather bet the future of democracy on and bet that there would never be an insurrection act invoked on Inauguration Day on and give me the reasons. And I will take my old friend Joe by the hand and I will walk him directly under the bus and I will jump under it with him if need be. Also of interest here, oh boy, I am telling you they are going to remember Speaker Mike Johnson as that really weird one from the year when the Republicans had 11 different speakers of the House. This was the one with the porn usage app. Oh boy. And for the fourth time in a span of six seasons, the New York Mets have hired a new manager with no previous experience. None has made it to a third season. None has gotten a second job. One didn't even make it through his third month. Let's go, Mets! That's next. This is Countdown. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. 
I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is SportsCenter. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, Dateline Chicago. Okay, Craig Council, manager of the Milwaukee Brewers baseball team, was given permission to talk to the New York Mets about their open managerial job. And the man who he talked to was the Mets' new president, who had been the Brewers president until last month. There were late reports. Council would also talk about the Cleveland managerial opening. So naturally, yesterday, Craig Council was named manager of the Chicago Cubs for more than $8 million a year, when the previous record for a baseball manager was about $4.5 million plus incentives. Also, the Cubs had to fire their popular incumbent manager, David Ross, yesterday to make room for Council. Also, Council had been a Brewer employee continuously since 2007, and when he was a kid, his father worked for the Brewers. Also, he's taken his team to six playoff series and lost five of those playoff series, and he's a great guy, but seriously, a bidding war? Dateline New York. So the Mets were reportedly shocked that Council wanted that much money, so they instead have reportedly hired New York Yankees bench coach. I got the name here somewhere. Who is it this time? More Mets managers than I have had telecast. Where is it? Carlos Mendoza, 43 years old. I got nothing against Carlos Mendoza, but this is the second manager the Mets have hired from the Yankee staff in four years. The other was Carlos Beltran, whom they had to fire weeks later after it turned out he was a centerpiece in the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. Moreover, this is the Mets' recent managerial history. They fired Terry Collins, who had already managed six years in the majors before they had hired him. They fired Collins after the 2017 season and replaced him with Mickey Calloway. No experience as a manager. Turned out to be a sexual harassment dude. They fired him. Then they hired Beltran, who didn't last until spring training. Then they promoted coach Luis Rojas. No experience two years of him and they decided they needed experience so they hired buck showalter who had already managed 20 years including formerly with the yankees now mendoza no years pendulum swings every two seasons that would be called bad business 
Dateline Cleveland. So there's a job now open in Chicago, but Cleveland at least got its man to succeed my friend Terry Francona. Stephen Vogt, longtime backup catcher in Oakland and San Francisco, among other stops. And the man who does the best impression of a basketball referee in baseball history. And I don't know if that came up or not during the interview, but in this already wacky baseball offseason, why not? And Dateline New York MLB headquarters. When I said the World Series TV ratings would not average 10 million per game, little did I know. They barely average 9 million a game. The final number is 9,110,000 per. Least World Series watched ever. And of more relevance, a 23% decline from last year. And that's not because there were fewer games than last year. That's 23% for the average. And again, for my fellow fans who say what I used to say, oh, it means more baseball for me. Remember, the entire financial structure of the sport is based on baseball being able to get more money for telecasts next year than it did for telecasts last year. And in the last year, nearly the entire regional sports TV industry, the money spigot for individual teams, collapsed. In the case of ballet sports, it literally went bankrupt, and baseball itself had to take over the costs of producing some games, particularly in San Diego, where the Padres wound up $50 million short for payroll and other expenses in September. And now, these World Series ratings. This would be, I believe, called... Augers dire and omens ominous. countdown with all that baseball news it happened again yesterday somebody asked me on the street why aren't you at that network that covers nothing but baseball and i say well i was supposed to be but then one particular major league baseball team got me fired before i actually got hired next in things i promised not to tell first time for the daily roundup of the miscreants morons and dunning kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world Worse, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders of Arkansas. Or is it Harris Huckabee Snap? I can't remember her name. Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. NBC News says she will endorse Trump tomorrow. She was his press secretary. I'm waiting for her eyes to cross and her metallic voice to twist into a robotic monotone and for her to say, my $19,000 lectern told me to endorse Trump. Obey the $19,000 lectern. Worser, uncombed former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, soon to be a right-wing UK newscaster. He may yet wind up in prison for how he mishandled COVID in Great Britain as Prime Minister. For now, a mental health facility is just as likely a destination. His former top advisor when he was the Prime Minister, Dominic Cummings, has testified that early in the pandemic, Johnson showed his staff a YouTube video of a purported cure and asked them if it would work. If, as the video suggested, blowing a, quote, special hair dryer up your nose could kill the virus. Like you didn't know already that Boris Johnson has no earthly clue what a hair dryer does. But worst of all, Speaker Mike Johnson. Boris Johnson, Mike Johnson. Say, that's a lot of ugly Johnsons in one show. Yes, the Speaker put out a fundraising email with a typo in it that reads, I refuse to put people over politics. At least I think it's a typo. And yes, that whole story of his grown black son that he and his wife informally adopted, only adopted him three years or something before he got married. Story don't hold together. Sure, sure. It's fine. Sure, sure. No, this is the porn story. The fifth string Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, porn story. The Twitter account Receipt Maven caught this. Video from a church conference just last year in which Johnson explained his use of an app called... You're ready for this? Covenant Eyes. Quote, it scans all the activity on your phone, on your devices, your laptop, what have you. We do all of it. 
Johnson is shown saying on video, it sends a report to your accountability partner. My accountability partner right now is Jack, my son. What is this accountability about? If porn appears on your phone or your devices or your laptop or your what have you, to continue the Johnson quote, so he and I get a report about all the things that are on our phones, all of our devices, once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. Wait, so this guy Johnson gets a report about what porn his son Johnson is watching. And more disturbingly, his son gets a report about what porn the Speaker of the House, his father, watches? Mike Johnson's son is 17. Why why are you why are you sending him porn usage updates? Also, Speaker Johnson added, I'm proud to tell you my son has got a clean slate. But Johnson never addressed whether he himself has a clean slate. So, uh, uh, I'll say it again. When they find out what's in Mike Johnson's closet, it is guaranteed to also include the doors to a whole nother series of closets. Mike, son, did you get my P-U-U, my porn usage update? Johnson, two days. Worst person in the world! I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Annually, at this time of year, somebody asks me, why aren't you at that all-baseball network? Seems like you'd be a natural. And I, I say, you mean MLB network? And they say, yeah. And I say, sit down. you got to hear this story. The owners of at least five different Major League Baseball teams have tried to get me fired over the years. And one, the New York Yankees, kind of succeeded. On November 26, 2012, my agent followed the instructions of Tony Petiti, then the president of the TV publicity channel owned by Major League Baseball, MLB Network, and called Petiti to finalize a deal by which I would join the channel to do a daily show, probably at 5.30 at night. It was going to be weird. MLB Network and its sister hockey channel, NHL Network, originate in the same studios in Secaucus, New Jersey, that MSNBC used every day from the day I started there in October 1997 through the day in October 2007 when NBC finally moved us to New York City. 
I had been asked to do something for MLB Network in 2008 and 2009 before it ever got on the air. The request came directly from the then Commissioner of Baseball, Bud Selig. He also asked me to write for baseball's website, MLB.com. We actually got that done. But the TV show was impossible because of my schedule until I was a free agent in the fall of 2012. So I was invited in the fall of 2012 to do a couple of guest appearances at MLB Network, and they went well, except for this crazy deja vu kind of thing that hit me when I went into the building and found that while baseball had spent $60 million to upgrade all the technical stuff and the studio designs, they had not touched anything else from the MSNBC era. The carpet tiles were the same. The ping pong table in the break room was the same. The signs on the back of the bathroom door telling you who to call if the John overflows were the same. It was like having a dream where you're back in your childhood home and everything is exactly the way it was, including the creaks and the floorboards, except, oh, by the way, there's a nuclear reactor in the middle of your den and you keep saying, where did that come from? Anyway, the guest appearances on MLB Network went well, and this guy, Petiti, the president, asked if I would fill in for two days on their new morning show the week of Thanksgiving 2012. I certainly knew how to get to the building. I did the shows with Brian Kenny and Ken Rosenthal and Bob Costas's son, Keith, and Alana Rizzo, and we had a good time. And Tony Petiti, the president of MLB Network, attended the meetings that we would have before and after each show. I mean, full staff meetings, 15 or so people standing around a bunch of cubicles. And in front of all of them, Tony Petiti began asking me if I thought my new show for MLB Network would do better at 5 or 5.30. And if I agreed with him that I should work only during the baseball season and spring training and playoffs and winter meetings and then stay fresh by taking the rest of the year off. He asked me if there were people on the staff of the morning show who I would like to work with. I mean, this is in front of all of the staff of the morning show. He warned me they couldn't pay me the kind of salary I was used to, and I said that happily the kind of salary I was used to meant I did not need the kind of salary I was used to. He told me to remind my agent to call him the Monday after Thanksgiving. He wished me a happy turkey, and everybody left, and everybody heard his plans, and a couple of the producers asked me if I was recommending them to be on my new show on MLB Network. So how come I don't have a new show on MLB Network, or how come we're not celebrating the 10th anniversary of my new show on MLB Network? Well... On Monday afternoon, my agent calls me and says he's just gotten off the phone with Tony Petiti, and it was the strangest conversation he had had since he became an agent. No, let me rephrase that, he said, because it wasn't a conversation. It was an attempted conversation. I kept asking him what he told me to call him about, and he would then say, nothing. Initially, I did not understand. What do you mean he said nothing? My agent said he meant literally that. I say, so Tony, what's your offer to Keith? And then there was silence. And I thought the phone call had dropped out. So I said, Tony, are you there? And he say, sure am. So again, I ask him, you know, what's your offer to Keith? And again, literally, silence. Only this time I can hear him breathing. I tried like 10 different ways. Are we talking about Keith now? Silence. Is there a reason you're being silent about Keith, Tony? Silence. If I changed the subject, talked about somebody else, he was his normal self. If I mentioned your name, he went silent. The next day, the agent calls me back. Petiti just did this again with me on the phone. He wouldn't speak, literally wouldn't say any words in any language if I mentioned your name. Took me a long time to find out what had actually happened. The next baseball season, after I'd gone back to work at ESPN, I'm at a game. There's one of the MLB network officials whom I'd met on my two days before Thanksgiving 2012, and this person comes up to me and apologizes. We all heard what happened. It's so embarrassing. Petiti is such a coward. The Yankees got to him. And another club. I never found out which one. There was some kind of conference call a Monday after Thanksgiving to tell the teams about your new show, and whoever was on the call for the Yankees went ballistic. They said something like, if you put him on MLB Network, we will disable your cameras at Yankee Stadium and never let any of you inside the building again. Instantly, I knew why the Yankees would have done that. 
I was, and my father before me, a season ticket holder for 42 years for Yankee games. And for 10 of those years, I was also one of the two announcers who did a kind of play-by-play over the public address system at Yankee Stadium on Old Timers Day. And then one day in 2011, I tweeted a photo of a Yankee employee in the stands giving some sort of hand signals to Alex Rodriguez in the on-deck circle. The guy was clearly telling Alex Rodriguez what the last pitch had been. It wasn't cheating. It was helping a supposed superstar who apparently could not figure out for himself from on the field what the last pitch had been. I tweeted the photo. Major League Baseball called the Yankees and told them to cut it out. The Yankees and A-Rod looked stupid in the newspapers. And the Yankees management said they were not mad at me. And then three months later, days before Old Timers Day, they leaked to the papers that I had been fired as Old Timers Day play-by-play man because I had tweeted that photo of Alex Rodriguez and the guy in the stands. So, rather naturally, my response was to not renew my season tickets, and my tickets were right behind home plate, and they cost like $400,000 a year, and relax. I gave about 70% of them to Make-A-Wish. But the Yankees, being the Yankees, were furious that I would not give them $400,000 a year anyway. So they told MLB Network, if MLB Network gave me a show, they would unplug MLB Network's cameras. Actually, they did more than that. I asked my friend, the MLB Network official, the real puzzler of the saga, why this MLB Network president, Tony Petiti, literally would not speak, would not say anything, not even deals off to my agent. Oh, the official said, the Yankees were specific about that. If you say anything to him or his people, we will get you fired. So Petiti took it literally. He said, if you called or your agent called to just give you the silent treatment. These are adults, mind you. And they say that on-air talent are the prima donnas. As I said, the Yankees are the closest of five different teams who tried to have actually gotten me fired, sort of. When I was in local news in Los Angeles, Jackie Autry, the woman who went from being Gene Autry's banker to being his second wife, tried to get me fired from my station in L.A. because I had criticized their team, the California Angels. She tried again a few years later after I got to ESPN. Then there were the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, the Devil Rays at that point, whose first owner, Vince Namoli, was convinced I had a vendetta against his team and was making up stories about them that were accidentally true. He could not conceive that somebody in his organization who he paid actually hated him so much that this person called me up and volunteered to feed me anything bad that went on there. But that is exactly what happened. So that's the Yankees, the Angels, and the Rays. And there's a mystery fifth team that was also involved in the MLB Network thing. And then there were the Chicago White Sox. One of their co-owners, Eddie Einhorn, was a big fan of mine, but for 44 years. The team has been run by the other co-owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. And Jerry Reinsdorf was one of the key figures in the strike that killed the 1994 baseball season. During that terrible winter that followed, my sources in the Baseball Players Association showed me a copy of their offer to the owners. The owners were led by Reinsdorf. And in the players' offer, they were willing to actually negotiate one of the players' union's sacred cows, salary arbitration. They were willing to cut it or maybe eliminate it outright. But after complaining about salary arbitration for 20 years, the owners' committee, led by this Reinsdorf idiot, turned the players down. Apparently, most of the owners did not know that Reinsdorf had passed on a chance to eliminate salary arbitration, a kind of automatic inflation thing within baseball contracts. And they came down on Reinsdorf like a ton of bricks. What do you mean you turned down the chance to stop salary arbitration? So naturally, he blamed me. And he called up ESPN and he demanded they fire me, which to their credit, they never did do. Revenge is a dish which people of taste prefer to eat cold, goes the old Italian proverb. Reinsdorf is today despised within baseball. He has once again ruined the Chicago White Sox. The Tampa Bay Rays owner, Namoli, sold the team, unknowingly obviously, to a man named Stuart Sternberg, 
who turned out to be married to a friend of mine from college, so whenever the Rays would come into New York, I would sit with Stu and his wife Lisa in their box. Their eldest son interned for me. MLB Network, which started out pretty good, is now just a propaganda machine in which every team is unbeaten and every player is the greatest ever, and they fired their best reporter, Ken Rosenthal, because he dared to write something critical of the idiot commissioner, Robert Manfred. And Mr. Reneg on the offer, Petiti, he really got his. Three years later, he was promoted to deputy commissioner of baseball, but that new commissioner, Manfred, squeezed him out. And he had to go work as the president of some e-sports company in 2020. And then they offed him a year later. And I have not heard anything about Tony Petiti since. Literally. It's been absolute silence. Not a single spoken word. And why does that sound so familiar? Yes, I'm still pissed about it. The good news is, of course, like last winter, I had a Hall of Fame announcement on MLB Network and they had 35,000 viewers. So my my podcast is, is outrating what would have been my network. Okay, I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the Vin Scully Studio at the Olderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in New York. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Mr. Ray was on guitars, bass, and drums, and it was produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including other Beethoven tunes, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. Sports music is courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis. We call it the Olderman theme from ESPN2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Dennis Leary, and everything else was pretty much my fault. Let's count down for this the 1036th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Tuesday. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 